Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, amid delays with union negotiations, United Steelworkers Representative Gerard Jackson calls out the Office of Collective Bargaining for what he says is a lackadaisical attitude. Governor Albert Bryan establishes a joint force operation to address the water crisis in St. Croix. Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett shared statements regarding the rum cover overrates as it pertains to the U.S. Virgin Islands. The Virgin Islands Board of Nurse Licensure provides an update to nurses in the territory. These are some of your headlines for today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Members of the United Steelworkers demonstrated in September, highlighting the issues they have with the VI government that have left unions with day-to-day -day contracts. In our discussion with United Steelworkers staff representative Gerard Jackson, he relayed that they began attempts to begin negotiations last year in regards to the supervisor's master's agreement, one of many that is on the day-to-day -day agreement, and were informed by the government that the contract was not expired, so they were not in a place to come to the table as yet. Mr. Jackson expressed his frustration with the Office of Collective Bargaining, who during an August hearing for the Senate Committee on Budget, Appropriations, and Finance admitted to a huge case backlog when it came to labor disputes caused by a lack of adequate personnel. To that point, Mr. Jackson said, The only reason that um, OCB is on staff is because they cannot maintain the employees that they actually hire. Something is wrong within the department, in that department why she cannot maintain employees. Mr. Jackson remarked on varying government agencies who have circumvented utilizing the Office of Collective Bargaining in totality. This year, we had a successful um, agreement with GRS. We had a uh, uh, good contract with which we just ratified with uh, EDC. Uh, these, are, these are agencies that used to use the Office of Collective Bargaining, but the because of their lackadaisical attitude in which they usually pay OCB to handle these things, they decide that they don't like to get that embarrassment. Mr. Jackson relayed that there are several departments who are still awaiting negotiations. Noting on one such department, Mr. Jackson relayed, I uh, have spoken to 911, but they, in reference again to the table, their response is they, willing, they, they are waiting for the Office of Collective Bargaining. So. One department may begin to see progress in negotiations, as Mr. Jackson told us. We had filed for mediation with waste management relative to the Collective Bargaining Agreement, and we were notified by PERB this week that that case is scheduled, well, the mediation is scheduled November the 8th. Expressing his frustration in what he says are constant delays, Mr. Jackson said, If you're not if you're not even getting to the table with these contracts that have already expired, when time come in 2024, it's going to be the same issue again. So that's why I'm saying you're adding fuel to the fire. We asked if he anticipated more demonstrations 
if the government does not expedite coming to the table. Yes, and I, I, I cannot speak on that in totality at this point. Speaking pointedly to the administration, Mr. Jackson had these remarks. To the governor of the Virgin Islands and his administration, I, de I demand R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. And the reason why I say that is we've been asking to meet with the governor since March of this year, and he has yet to reply to the union to meet. He has made some sarcastic remarks, and I can state that in an email that he told my uh, director, because when we are uh, in, I think it was in May of this year, because I asked to meet with, with him in May. I wrote him a letter since March. I give him the benefit of the doubt for April because I know they had the carnival. I know he would have been tied up. He did not respond to me since my letter in March. And his response to the director thereafter is that he is very busy. And he said, furthermore, and I would quote, furthermore, when you have these issues in the state of Alabama, do you contact the governor of Alabama? And I think that was very rude and disrespectful of the governor. Since he's been in office for the last six years or five years, he has yet to one day call the, the state workers into a meeting to find out what our issues are. And we have documentation where we have requested to have meetings with him. Remarking on an August incident that occurred days after workers returned from a two-day sick out protesting working conditions, an employee of the Bureau of Motor Vehicles was hospitalized after falling and creating a hole in the floor of a trailer that the Bureau is using as office space. Mr. Jackson made these comments in reference to the incident. I hope that when we get into the courts, that they understand the situation. They're trying to fix the trailers at this point, but fixing the trailer is it's just like a band-aid on a sore. Right now, the agreement that we got right after that situation happened, they have moved our employees out of the BMV into other areas of the government, which they could have done before that. We have grievances that we filed in reference to that, and, I, and like I said, the Office of Collective Bargaining, shame on them. And when I say shame on them, is because when these matters move out of the agency and we go to arbitration, we, we process it to arbitration, the Office of Collective Bargaining is involved in that issue. So it's a shame to say that they never had knowledge of it. They have knowledge of it, okay? Miss Spring it. Attorney Zulima Chapman, they know of it because it gets to their office when it's moved to arbitration. And then they're telling the agencies, right, at that matter, that once something reached to their age, uh, and I have a letter basically to acknowledge that from Attorney Springett, that when something moved to arbitration, we shouldn't have any conversation with the department moving forward. So it's a damn shame to have attorney spring it, stipulating that this is the first time she ever had knowledge of these safety hazards in these departments, mole 
the the termites, everything that's going on through that particular department. So I'm hoping for a great honor for the courts to sanction the Office of Collective Bargaining, knowing that they have the knowledge that these things have been going on for at least a decade and the plural conditions in the agencies of the government of the Virgin Islands. We made several attempts to interview chief negotiator for the Office of Collective Bargaining, Ms. Joss Springett, who did not provide input by press time. As we continue to update, during a government house press briefing, Director of Communications Richard Mota shared that the Public Finance Authority has begun its request for proposals for turnaround service related to the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority. The RFP has made has been made readily accessible to interested parties. It can be found on the Virgin Islands Public Finance Authority's website, which is usvipfa.com for detailed proposal for detailed proposal requirements and submission guidelines. So if you are interested in some more details on that request for proposal, you can go to the USVI uh, PFA's website, which is usvipfa.com, or contact attorney Lorelai Firenton at 340-714-1635. Again, that number is 340-714-1635. Following the results of the water testing done on St. Croix that revealed high levels of lead and copper, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. issued a no-drinking advisory for potable water within certain areas on the island. Water in the Estate Diamond, Mombiju, Castle Burke, and Estate Calcahoon were identified as the areas most affected. During Tuesday's press briefing, Don Gregoire, Director of Water Distribution for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, responded to inquiries on how often testing for copper and lead were done prior to the brown water issues. We test the water every day. Uh, we have, uh, each island has their, their lab that tests the water. We are required by EPA to test once for lead and copper once every three years. We just did the one for St. Croix in September. The, the test for the three years is based on a 90. We, ch we check 30 homes per district. So between St. Thomas and, and St. John is 30 homes, and we test 30 homes on, on St. Croix. So it's based on a 90% percentile. We have had a couple hits, but nowhere close to the kind of elevation that we've been getting out of the recent tests. Initially, EPA got involved to try to assist us with the brown water issues. So we did a round of testing to determine what was the cause of the brown water. While we're testing for the brown water, we realized that certain locations had high elevations of lead and copper. So now this is the next action to based on those readings. Mr. Gregoire remarked on whether the authority's water tanks would be able to sustain the flushing system the authority has implemented to help curtail the high levels being found in the water. We have been struggling. We struggled through the long drought. Uh, we struggled through the sargasm event. The island capacity is about 22 million. Right now we're about 14 to 15 million, which is about probably like 76 percent. So prior, we you know, our flushing program is dependent on how much in inventory we have because most of our water system is gravity fed. So as there are, our inventory depletes, a lot of their customers on the higher elevation tend to lose pressure. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of happy at this point, we're at the point where we can actually have an aggressive flushing program because we, the water is available and I think we are at levels that we could sustain.
Government House relayed that safe water was delivered to the Alfredo Andrews Elementary School, the St. Croix Educational Complex, and the John H. Woodson Junior High School, all of which use potable water for cooking purposes and are in the areas where high levels of copper and lead were found. Governor Albert Bryan remarked that with the implementation of a joint force operation, they are prioritizing additional testing to be sure that the water supply is safe. Some good news is that we recently discovered that we do have a machine at the Department of Health now that can identify lead in water, so that helps us with testing. Part of the challenges is we don't really have labs on the island, uh, and the EPA was giving us uh, one or two weeks in terms of return. We have identified some labs in Puerto Rico where we can get two-day uh, return on results. So considering uh, flying directly to Puerto Rico with our water samples, is that important to make sure that we get them as soon as possible and we get people the information that they deserve. And uh, we're going to continue to test it until I feel uh, that we, my residents are secure. So if we are tested for the rest of the year to make sure, even if it's coming positive, uh, positively clear that it's good water, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I, I am just hesitant to issue a state of emergency just yet until we have a firm grip on what the problem is, the extent of the problem, and how many resources are we going to need. Responding to whether residents are still expected to pay for water, even though they now have to utilize more with the flushing regimen, Governor Bryan remarked. Uh, we're going to figure that out too. If we have to give people a concession on the meter, we will. Uh, but right now, we're encouraging people to flush your lines. We're flushing all of ours, all of our deadlines. Speaking on the replacement of pipes for the water distribution system, Governor Bryan relayed. The prudent replacement and everything else for the water system is moving along. But as you know, you know, replacing the entire water system in St. Croix is a five-year, ten-year um, endeavor. So we'll have to look at that as if we have, we're not going to wait for that. So if we, have a, if we figure out we have a situation where we need to replace a, a certain level of pipes or whatever in order to get the clean water back to where it needs to be, we could just move ahead and do that. We'll find the resources to do that. That's not a problem. With the implementation of the task force, the Department of Health advised the community that testing for lead exposure is available at the Fredericksted Health Center on St. Croix and on St. Thomas at the St. Thomas East End Medical Center at Tutu Park Mall. Residents with health concerns related to the water quality can call the hotline set up by the Department of Health from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. On St. Croix, residents can call 340-712-6299 or 340-776-1519 for St. Thomas St. John residents. The Department of Planning and Natural Resources is also operating a hotline available Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and that number is 340-514-3666. As we move down the news feed, Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett had previously expressed confidence that Congress would vote to retroactively extend the territory's rum cover-over rate of $13.25 per proof gallon, which expired in December 2021. Since then, Congress has failed to act on the issue and extend the higher rate to make it permanent. The rate has remained at $10.50. That rate is a problem for the territory's government rescue plan, as the rum cover-over funds are intended to be utilized to save the government employees' retirement system from insolvency. The plan is expected to provide $4 billion in funding over 30 years, 
but the special purpose vehicle created in 2022 had assumed a higher cover over rate of $13.25 per proof gallon. While talking with Leslie Comision, host of the WTJX TV show Comes with the Territory, Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett shared statements regarding the rum cover over as it relates to the territory. Today I had a conversation with um, Jennifer Gonzalez Colon, who's the congresswoman from um, Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico mm -hmm. and talking with her about the rum cover over. Yes. Um, and sharing with her my concerns that I have. I know that the, we're, there's been discussion on Ways and Beans with Jason Smith about bringing a bill at the end of the year. Um, conversations I had this past weekend with Republicans who are from New York who have said that any bill that's coming from Ways and Means, they're going to end them because they are not containing salt, which is a state, um, uh, you know, a tax that goes on um, for individuals that live in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut in the tri-state area. So that imperils a rum cover over on our part. So talking with her about speaking with the conference, the Republican conference, about putting rum cover over in some other piece of legislation. Under the revised Organic Act, excise tax collected on USVI manufactured rum imported into the mainland is transferred to or covered over to the territory. The Virgin Islands Board of Nurse Licensure has a reminder for all nurses in the territory. Celia Sebastian, Territorial Executive Manager, provides the details. Virgin Islands Board of Nurse Licensure, we're taking the time to alert the nurses that all applications from here on out will be all online. In order to submit your application, you can go online to vibnl.vi.gov website. And then when you click on the application tabs, it takes you to the nurse portal. And when you go to the page where the nurse portal is, you will have to then create an account. And after you've created your account, then you would click on the type of application that you're doing. All our application henceforth is all online. The deadline to turn in the first set of applications um, is December 1st, 2023. Anything after that, it will incur a $100 late fee. And then if your application is not submitted by December 31st of 2023, then you will automatically be considered lapsed. And then you will also incur a $200 fee for being lapsed. Any application that, that comes in after December 31st, it won't be processed until January 3rd of 2024. The fee, um, renewal fee for the RN application is 125 If you are, in fact, doing your APRN, it's 150 so there's something I need to explain. If you are only renewing your RN application, then it's 125. But if you are renewing your APRN application, you have to renew both your RN and your APRN application. And the total cost for that would be a total of 150. Right now we are we are in the process of doing online payments, but we're not there yet. Um, so for right now, all applicants are asked to, when they do their application, they're asked to upload a copy of their payment to the nurse portal, and then they mail in the original form of payment 
Um, we accept U.S. postal money orders, Western Union money orders, any type of money orders. We also accept business checks as well or um, cashier's checks. We do not accept personal checks at this time. And in the near future, we will definitely be doing online payments, so it'll be a little bit easier. So once you do your application online, then you would just basically send in everything online as well as your payment as well. Nurses are asked to monitor the board's website and Facebook page for further updates. For assistance, questions, or concerns, call 340-249-0684 in St. Thomas or 340-712-0700 for the St. Croix office. Assistance is available between the hours of 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday or via email at vinurseinfo at bnl.vi.gov. On Friday, October 27th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., report cards will be distributed to parents and guardians for all public schools in the St. Thomas-St. John District. Students will not report to school on this date. As we move down the WTJX newsfeed, we're turning now to the regional report. Following a meeting of the European Union's Economic and Financial Affairs Council, the British Virgin Islands has been removed from the European Union's list of non-cooperative tax jurisdictions. In a statement, the EU Council noted that the British Virgin Islands was removed from the list as it had amended its framework on exchange of information on request and will be reassessed in accordance with the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development Standard. The removal recognizes the legislative changes that the BVI Business Companies Amendment Act 2022 and the BVI Business Amendment regulations also made in 2022 came into force on January 1, 2023. They met requirements set out by the OECD's Global Forum on Transparency and Exchange of Information for Tax Purposes as part of its peer review process. Commenting on the announcement, BVI Minister for Financial Services, Labor, and Trade, Honorable Lerna Smith, said that they welcomed the announcement that the BVI had been removed from Annex 1 of the European Union's list. She added that the British Virgin Islands is committed to maintaining the highest international standards on transparency and regulation. As we update the news feed, we're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's a look at your short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Scattered showers are expected this afternoon under mostly sunny skies. Temperatures will climb into the upper 80s to near 90. At St. Croix, heat index values into the upper 90s and near 100 there. Across St. Thomas and St. John, it's mostly sunny. There's the chance for a few scattered showers, mainly towards sunset. Highs are very similar in the upper 80s to near 90. Heat index values close to 100 as we go into the late afternoon hours. Tonight, scattered showers become more numerous across St. Croix. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s to near 80. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's an unsettled evening as well. Scattered showers will dominate much of the evening. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s and the lower 80s. And on Thursday, we'll find mostly sunny skies through the afternoon at St. Croix. Temperatures will climb into the upper 80s to near 90. Winds are a bit more breezy from the east at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. And at St. Thomas and St. John, it's a similar day. More clouds increase late day. Chance for a few showers as well. Temperatures will climb into the upper 80s to near 90 with heat index values into the upper 90s. That's the latest look at your forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. 
We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. and be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.